On today's Locked on Jayhawks, yeah, National Signing Day for KU football. The class officially is done between the high school kids and transfers. I guess there could be a couple more once we get to the spring side of things. But let's go over it and what the biggest takeaways are for this class for KU. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Eric Johnson, you can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. And on today's edition of Locked On Jayhawks, we're going to be going over the signing day class for KU. Really no last-minute additions or anything on signing day, no uh, late flips. But we got to hear from Lance Leipold and... Uh, we have some extra takeaways to go over with all of the kids that are enrolled for the high school class, as well as the transfer portal is now it's kind of official. Obviously, there can still be kids that transfer out. There can still be kids that come in. And certainly that'll be the case once we get back to spring ball and certain kids feel like they're not getting as much playing time as they want to and they want to go somewhere else. But for now, this feels pretty solidified for this moment. This episode of Locked On Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. So we're going to start off with uh, taking a look at what KU brought in via the transfer portal for this class of 2023. A lot of additions there, as you can see. 24-7 sports ranks Kansas recruiting class for the transfer portal as 45th in the country. And there was a lot of pressure, I think, to clean up on the defensive end of the ball to help with a defense that really struggled last season and to help with the loss of Lonnie Phelps. So just going over all these, we'll start with the offensive guys. Logan Brown is certainly the, the big one. He's probably the headline name of this transfer portal class. 6'6", 300-plus pounds, offensive tackle from Wisconsin. He was a former five-star recruit, one of the best in the country before going to Wisconsin. Had a pretty good season, um, and then he ends up getting booted off the team due to some fight or, or whatever issue happened there. He goes to the portal. A lot of you know teams were interested in him. Got an 88 transfer grade on 24-7 sports. That is the same grade that Lonnie Phelps had a season ago to show you the type of impact this kid could have. And obviously, you lose Earl Bostic. Having a guy that, I mean, you don't know for sure if he's going to be that other starter. Like Kobe Baines started to play more and more as the season went on. Uh, he's going to have to compete for it, but certainly he has as much talent, if not more, than anyone in that offensive line room. And he is the guy who kind of headlines this class and certainly adds, if you want to be a physical running football team, boom, Logan Brown. Guy like that, you don't see those guys walking around KU campus uh, very often. Lance Leipold said, like, when we, you know, we, we had him in here and people were like, yeah, you don't see that football body too often with with a guy like that McDowell is one of the late ones he was a running back came over from Georgia Tech he was previously at Buffalo with the Lance Leipold staff they recruited him he was an in-state guy stuck around that was something that Lance Leipold talked about in his presser and one of the things that I came away with very impressed because they lose Kai Thomas you're looking for another running back to be dead depth essentially by Daniel Hyshaw and Devin Neal but compete for those those extra snaps or carries or if somebody gets hurt and they wanted somebody who was familiar with that of what they wanted and the most impressive thing I, I thought I heard was Lance Leipold at his presser saying 
you know, he sent me four video clips and they weren't of him like running the ball. Not one of them did he touch the ball. And all of them were him him playing like punt team. Like I, I forget if he said it was punt return team or punt block team where he's just making plays. And he said, send this to coach Simpson. I want to be on special teams. Having a veteran player like that to give you depth and give you an, another good running back in that room where you know you're going to use a lot of running backs and guys are going to get injured, but also is willing to, to help you with your special teams that you've struggled at, that is very vital there. I'll go a little quicker with, with some of the other ones here. Spencer Lavelle, offensive tackle, coming in from Cal, was previously at Arizona State before that. Again, gives you good size, and it feels like this year KU is going to have a much deeper Offensive line. Now, fortunately, they didn't have a lot of injuries last year, but I think they're going to be better on the two deep uh, by a good amount with some of the transfers they brought in, especially with Lavelle, who can play tackle or guard, with Kobe Baines, who came in last year, Logan Brown. Like uh, the, the depth of the offensive line feels like it's going to be even better this season than it was a season ago. Now, you um, have a kicker coming in tow with Seth Keller. Um, who was the transfer from Texas State, former like all-conference pick. He should help you solidify that. But the majority of what you brought in here is defense. You look, Patrick Joyner, Demarius McGee, J.B. Brown, Austin Booker, Devin Phillips, Gage Keys, that's six transfers that you bring in. And in the case of all six of them, maybe not Demarius McGee, but I don't know, at least five of the six, you're kind of expecting to be a part of that two deep. Doesn't guarantee you're going to be a part of it because, you know, we saw this last year, like certain guys came in into the pro other poor already back more familiar with the system they were able to maybe beat them out or take jumps in what their their level of play was last season so it doesn't guarantee they'll be part of it but i think you expect it the the one that i'm not sure about demarius mcgee i think demarius mcgee is going to be a very impactful player down the road for this team former four-star recruit coming out um he's uh, going to be like a redshirt sophomore but you just have all three your top corners back this year. So it'll be a little tougher for him to get on there, but, but maybe he could be that fourth corner, right? And that would still put you on the two deep, I guess, essentially. So maybe he will be a part of that um, more of a rotational player this year, but I feel like McGee will be one of your best players from this class long-term. It's just, there's a bunch of guys that could be in front of you this year. When you're looking at the immediate impact, I look to JB Brown. I look to Devin Phillips. And then I, I think Patrick Joyner is going to play a big role. Uh, the two Minnesota transfers over Austin Booker and Gage Keys are high potential guys to me that I could see starting and being one of your better defensive linemen. You could also see them ending up getting beat up by somebody else if the potential doesn't quite hit just yet. Um, but in the case of Patrick Joyner, transfer from Utah State, previously at Miami, so he he has that I don't know kind of um, Division One or, or Power Five type of athleticism and play he hasn't graded out very well especially against the run on pro football focus but he has been a pretty good pass rusher maybe he can help replace what you lost with the pass rush with Lonnie Phelps and a different defensive end can be more of your run stopping defensive end that'll be something I'm interested in um, Austin Booker is a guy with very good potential 6'6 240 from Minnesota mentioned Gage, Gage Keys 6'5 280 he's a little bit more of a, a ready now I would think um, but the the defensive lineman that uh, i'm really excited about is devin phillips 6'2, 305 pounds comes in uh, this will be his sixth year of college from colorado state he's had some really good numbers and grades on pro football focus not a guy who's going to put up you know five six sacks in the season but he's really going to plug things up in a really good run defender and that is what ku needs he is to me probably the biggest addition you've made on the defense side of the ball on the defensive line 
at least in the short term. In the long term, it could be one of those guys like an Austin Booker or Gage Keys. But J.B. Brown, too. Don't sleep on this kid. His transfer grade was given an 88. And we mentioned that earlier with Logan Brown. He was given an 88, which is the same number as Lonnie Phelps. Do not sleep on J.B. Brown. He had one of the highest grades on Pro Football Focus of Mac linebackers last year. He was well into the 70s. If you transferred over, he would have been KU's highest-graded linebacker last year. Obviously, it's against easier competition, but Bowling Green had a nice turnaround season last season, and he was a big reason why. Again, we saw a couple transfer linebackers come over last year, Lorenzo McCaskill, Eric Gilliard, and Craig Young. Craig Young obviously ended up you know, playing at a high level, but in the case of those other two guys coming over from non-power fives, it took him a little bit longer. McCaskill ended up supplanting his spot in the rotation a little bit more as the season came to its close. For Gilliard, it, it never really happened. I expect Brown to play because those guys still ended up playing. But, I mean, based on this, what if he's just one of your best linebackers? And if he is, I think that probably could be a good thing because you need extra help at the linebacker position. He's the guy that I'm most interested in because you do have Rich Miller back to be a starter in essentially this will be year three as a starter here. You have year two, essentially, of Taiwan Berryhill potentially being a starter. But neither of those guys, you know, were all league type players where if J.B. Brown comes in and outperforms them, it's not like he can't get on the field. So uh, J.B. Brown is the one that could really help change what this unit is. He adds more depth or he could just end up being your best linebacker. I, I don't I don't know. Craig Young is probably the answer there, but like. I kind of almost view him as like a safety linebacker hybrid, so it's kind of a different conversation. So some good pickups for KU in the transfer portal. Let's get to the high school class in just a second. First, Total Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you with FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one rated sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Whenever it comes out, you'll be able to bet on the over-under win total for Kansas football. Um, I like doing the prop bets with the Kansas basketball, like you know, it didn't hit, but the other day you could have bet Grady Dick to score 20 plus points at nice plus odds. And you can do fun things like that to make the games even better. FanDuel Sports app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel Sportsbook today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL Disclaimer in the details below. KU's high school clear this thing. Are you looking like for sports? Uh, not like the you know highest rated class that that you'll see out there that we've even seen in some years with like Les Miles and other staffs at KU. Seventy second in the composite rank on um. 24-7 for, for those rankings. If you do the overall rank and add in the transfers, they're they're 66th. I'll be clear. I, I care more about the transfer rankings than I do the high school rankings because, like, yes, you, you want Kansas to be ranked, you know, 80th as opposed to 120th. Like, that sort of matters. And, yes, if Kansas was ranked 30th, then I would care a lot because that's saying that you brought in a ton of talent. But in terms of if Kansas ends up ranked in the recruiting rankings between 50 and 80, 
that doesn't really matter to me. And here's why. One, we just saw Kansas State, who had one of the lower recruiting rankings in the Big 12. I think they were ninth. Kansas was 10th among their composite roster last year. Just win the Big 12. And sure, you could say, well, look what happened when they played Alabama. Well, if Kansas is playing in the Sugar Bowl and they win the Big 12, yeah, I, I think you can deal with losing to Alabama at some points, right? Um, but I think more than that, Lance Leipold and the staff are going to be a developmental staff. So if the recruiting rankings are 52nd or if they're 74th, it doesn't matter if they're getting the right fits and they're developing them into the players that they need them to be to fit their scheme, to be good players, and to make an impact. That's what's important for this university. So again, if it's you know 28th, if they're 24th, then yes, I care about the rankings. If they're 120th, yes, I care about the rankings. But in that middle zone where there's really not that much separation between you know number 50 and number 80 or however much it is, I don't really care because that's not what this staff was brought in to do. And I think they're going to develop these kids just fine and well. Now, as far as what you brought, you have some early enrollees already. Jim Ham, a tight end from Eudora, and Calvin Clements, an offensive tackle from Free State. Lumping these two together, both top 10 recruits in the state of Kansas, was just very important for you to be able to start making inroads on that in-state recruiting. And I don't think it was ever really Kansas's fault that they weren't, you know, just bringing in a ton of in-state guys because Kansas has just been bad. And, and every kid who's grown up in the last 15, 20 years has seen Kansas state be good and Kansas be bad. So like, which school are you going to take now that they go to a bowl game? If they have continued success, you do expect them to do better in the in-state recruiting trail. And I think from this point on, I do start to track that a little bit more. And that's why those two were important. And you flip them both from power five universities with Baylor and Arkansas, both guys that um, I expect to be, Really important players for you, probably by year three or year four, um, but right away can come in at positions that you already have some good talent there and kind of learn the system, maybe redshirt and develop even two better players that I think have promising potentials. Siraz Bunkum and Tony Terry have also already enrolled. Tony Terry, 6'5", defensive lineman from Jackson, Missouri. I don't know if the future goal is to put him as a D-end or a defensive tackle, but I think he's got a, a really good potential to him. You fill out the body. I'm sure that'll be the, the plan with regular sleeve. Siraz Bunkum, really good athlete from uh, uh, California and uh, top 900 kid nationally. Uh, when you look at Siraz Bunkum, I want to lump him together as you brought in. Jared Sample. Um, so Bunkum, more of the, the size guy, six foot four. Sample is the speed guy at like five foot 10. Think kind of like what Trevor Wilson has been providing for the team. Keaton Gubeka at six foot two kind of the in-between in terms of the size, but um, was mentioned by Lance Leipold as presser as being like a really good contributor in other ways that he could see the field early as being a player who's really good on kickoff return in terms of like being a blocker or, um, you know, punt team and that he's really interested in making those types of plays. But you bring in three receivers. That was a position that, you know, as of like two years ago, you felt like you were overstocked. Then you lost, like you felt like too many players. Then you felt like you were understocked. Receiver room was really good last season for KU. Now you bring up that next wave so that when you do eventually lose some of these guys like Lawrence Arnold and Luke Grimm, you have that next round ready to go. And that's going to be important for KU. And I think all those guys you feel like are very talented. The, um, the uh, receiver positions. Two really exciting defensive backs that they brought in that they had to fend off other schools from getting one is Jamil Croft, the safety who had a great rise. He could end up being a star for you in a couple of 
couple of years. The other Kobe Davis, whose offer list was insane, a little undersized at five nine, but I don't think that matters. This kid had offers from you know T or uh, Michigan, Georgia. Like you go on and on and on down the list. You expect those two guys to be names that we're hearing a lot about in a couple of years here. Then you have Johnny Thompson, the running back. You expect to be hearing his name in a couple of years. It's going to be tough to maybe get on the field right away in year one with all the running backs in front of you. Uh, Taylor Davis, uh, another safety you bring in. Blake Harold and Marcus Calvin. Calvin has more of the college-ready body right now, but I think both these guys are going to be developmental defensive linemen that you sit in the program for a few years. And then Logan Brantley, you need to turn around the linebacking core He's the first high school linebacker I believe they brought in was at a, a winning school with Cherry Creek High School. And, you know, he uh, was very uh, or, or Lance Leipold was very complimentary on Logan Brantley in the December signing day press conference, basically talking about how, you know, he, he was a leader. He's someone he kind of expects to be a uh, captain at some point in his career. Now, they have one uh, commit from a JUCO level as well. That is from Akili Hubbard who is a safety from Golden West College. He was a recent commit, and he's a a three-star JUCO guy, uh, ranked top 25 nationally in that way. He uh, is someone who didn't really play defensive back till he got to college. He was like an offensive tackle defensive end at a smaller school, it sounds like, to where, you know, at 6'2", 205, at the high school level, like, yeah, you're, you're having to play undersized on the uh, offensive line, but he switches to DB. He had four interceptions last year and you get a kid who hasn't played there a ton. That means he probably has a pretty high potential, especially with good size at 6'2", 205. So you bring in him in, and then uh, there was a move today announced that uh, they'll be adding a punter from Australia. So an Aussie leagues punter. Uh, we talked about Seth Keller in the transfer portal. Now you get possibly a better punter too. Uh, I've mentioned before that KU special teams, a lot of their issues have devolved just down to not having a good enough kicker and punter. If you fix those things, that's certainly helpful. And both of those are positions that it's not like, hey, you got to know the scheme to to be able to get uh, on the field kind of right away. KU the Big 12 and released here with this episode of Locked on Jayhawks in just a second. Okay, we get our Big 12 schedule release, and for KU, they have the non-con weighted out. We already knew that. They're going to be playing uh, Missouri State, Illinois, and at Nevada. Nevada, not very good. Missouri State, a game you should win. The Illinois game is going to be a coin flip. Illinois won eight games. They run the ball really well with Brett Bielema, a team that is very physical, so... Uh, that'll be pretty key for KU to try to win that game because the Big 12 schedule is always tough. What sticks out, they avoided TCU and Baylor. Those are positives. Baylor's always giving Kansas trouble. TCU has been a team that KU's actually played well, but they just made the playoff probably good to avoid them. You did avoid West Virginia and Houston, though, and that's unfortunate. Those are two teams you beat last year. And hypothetically, you would have got both at home for return trips. So that is very unfortunate. Instead, you have like Texas and Oklahoma on there, which you didn't want to try to get both, but I guess you get them in their last go around in the conference. So I guess that's kind of cool. You do get three of the four new schools with BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF. So you'll have played all of them over the last couple of years. Certainly a challenging schedule, but honestly, no matter what it was, it would have been challenging in the Big 12 because every school you look at is good enough to make a bowl game. It's kind of similar to basketball in that way. I like the fact that the bye week is in the middle of the year for Kansas. 
Um, it's about a week earlier than it was this past season, which I think is good, but it's not too early in the season as well. Certainly you circle those last two home games, Texas Tech and Kansas State as games that you could need to win. But my biggest worry is that, you know, if, if you only go one and one between the Illinois and BYU game and then you lose the Texas um, at that point, you could be sitting at three and two. And then with UCF, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, if you only go one and two, are you four and four? But the counter to this is as much as all these teams could beat Kansas, Kansas could beat all these teams based on kind of what we saw last year in the Big 12. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We'll be back tomorrow to preview the KU-Iowa State game. Just to catch me later on Rock Sports Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Find us on YouTube, wherever you get any of your podcasts. Till then, later.